Cascadia and the edge of the world, Euphomet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. Good evening, I'm Jim Perry, and you are listening to another edition of Night Drift, presented by Euphomet. Broadcasting tonight from my home studio in the hinterlands of the Oregon coast, directly to our mothership of 1150 AM KKNW in Seattle and worldwide at nightdrift.com. Today's been a busy day, filled with family and fun and friendly smiles and food and good times and I just took a look around and thought about doing this program tonight uh, thinking about all of you who may not have the opportunity right now to see your loved ones for one reason or another and I just want to send my love out to you and let you know that uh, it's just for right now and we will get there and I appreciate you spending some time with me here tonight with our with our euphemet family so i i appreciate you tuning in and tonight tonight's going to be a really interesting program you know podcasting has fundamentally changed many people's entryway into the paranormal world i mean for me it opened an entirely new career path a a journey to the near abyss and back again. Many of today's most exciting and noteworthy investigators started with creating content around strange cases, and before they knew it, they've been pulled right into it as participant. Tonight is about podcasters on that very path, when the craft of broadcasting and documentary field work turns into something else, an adventure into the unknown. And tonight, podcaster Phil Rossi is here to share how he has gone from interviewing paranormal investigators to becoming one himself. Also, Nathan Paul Isaac will join us after the break. His podcast, Penny Royal, debuts a second season this month. Very excited about all of this upcoming work. It's going to be a very fun set of conversations tonight. But first, my podcast, Euphemet, returns this week. And I'm happy to share with you right now a clip from the season five premiere. That's right now on Night Drift. When I was four years old, I believe that to be my first memory of my first memorable paranormal experience. Even though at the time I didn't know it was paranormal, it's just something I experienced. I remember sitting on a bed at my auntie's new place in um, Klamath Falls, Oregon. And I just remember seeing out of the corner of my eye, up towards the ceiling, just the top half of an old woman. And I remember she just kept talking like really bad to me and my cousin and saying that we're bad people and we stole her money and we're a bunch of thieves and liars and all these things. And being a little girl, right, you don't really know what to do. In my mind, it was just some older lady being mean to me. So I remember I jumped off the bed you know, kind of mad. And I went and I ran and grabbed my grandpa. And I brought him in and I said, this lady's being mean to us in here. And credit to my grandpa for not saying, oh, it's your imagination or anything. He just looked around the room. My grandpa's this big towering six foot three man, right? And he just looked and he asked me where I saw her. 
And he just said, you know what? You guys aren't bad people. You're just little girls. Just don't pay any attention to her. Just ignore her. So I said, okay. And my cousin kept looking over my shoulder. I don't know if she saw it also or if she just was looking to see what I saw. And once again, the old lady started saying that we're bad people and we stole her money and give it back and all these things. And I was like, lady, we're just little girls. <laughs> just repeated what my grandpa said. And then I don't remember what happened after that. I mean, because it wasn't an odd occurrence. It was just a normal occurrence for me. But it's very interesting because it wasn't until, I'd say three to five years ago, as an adult woman now, I was telling my mom, because we, we talk about paranormal a lot, she has abilities as well. And just to try to understand it, we, we always it always comes up in conversation. So she was asking, well, what is the first thing you remember? So I told her about this story and her jaw dropped when I told her this lady was saying that we stole from her and we had her money and all of this. Her jaw dropped because I guess the reason that we were there in the first place traveling with our grandparents was to move my aunt and her family into this new house. And her husband at the time, when they were moving in, somehow kicked up, I don't know if it was a floorboard, but somehow stashed in a coffee can, they found money. It was $500 and against all of the adults at the time, better judgment, he went ahead and kept it. So seeing now, you know, that's what the old lady was talking about. Her money was stolen. It wasn't by us little girls. You know, we weren't aware of it, but yeah, she was upset. I didn't know anything about ghosts or spirits or anything at the time. You know, you're just growing up. You're just little. Your mind's more open. And she was physically there as far as my senses were concerned. You know, and when you're little, you don't know, okay, well, I'm going to talk myself out of what I just saw. You just experience the world. And I had no sense of, oh, that's not normal, or we don't talk about that, or people don't experience those types of things. So it was just reality. My reality might be different than somebody else's because everybody's senses are different. But that is what was there. You've Met Season 5 premieres this Thursday. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll be releasing new episodes each week this season. In addition to continuing Night Drift. So yeah, get ready to spend a lot of time together. <laughs> and I can't wait... But next, Nathan Paul Isaac on Penny Royal in a very strange place called Pulaski County. We'll also be taking your calls tonight, 425-373-5527 or toll-free in Western Washington, 888-298-KKNW. That's on Night Drift, right after this. social media at Ufamet 
E-U-P-H-O-M-E-T. Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, KKNW, Seattle. Now, here again is Jim. We are back here and tonight with podcaster Nathan Paul Isaac joining us on Night Drift for the very first time. Nathan, welcome to Night Drift, my friend. Oh, thanks, Jim, for having me, man. Yeah, of course. You know, you, you'll be joining us for the entire program next week to talk about all of the high strangeness you have encountered at least as much as you can unravel within an hour um, that you are uncovering in Kentucky. But firstly, for tonight, tell us about your podcast, Penny Royal. I guess, you know, (laughs) it's, it's, it's a pretty big story um, in terms of all the stuff that we found, but um, in in a gist, I guess, if I, if I did a 30 second pitch on it. um, Yeah. I I started investigating some, um, strange murders here in uh central kentucky uh in pulaski county um uh, i'm in the town somerset kentucky and mm-hmm. uh yeah we started uh looking into um some strange murders some unsolved murders and over the course of, of probably about three years um just started uncovering all kinds of strange things that, that i really didn't expect mm-hmm. to find yeah. um and, and, and you know um i I think for me, the biggest part of the the strangest thing about the story was that uh, we, we started looking into, you know, just the murders and then started finding all of these other strange things, you know, magical orders that were coming down here from mm. Cincinnati, uh, performing rituals in the seven, 1970s, right. um, uh, some strange things that were happening. And a lot of this stuff was was sort of centered on the 1970s period, but strange yeah. things happening at a, a, a experimental mental health facility and, um, and just some, some weird characters that, that started appearing historical figures. And I guess the weirdest thing was that it went from being a story about this place and the relationship of people to place, you know, and, mm-hmm. and how, how people shape a place and how a place shapes people. And then, as the investigation went on, we became more and more a part of the story in a really, oh. really strange way. Um, and so I think, I think for me, that's, that's really what the second season uh, that's coming out on uh, Tuesday on the 11th um, is about. Um, really? So. Yeah. Is, is sort of how we became absorbed into the story and how our actions were in a weird way, you know, hyperstitionally you know that's a that's a big part of the second season i don't know if people are familiar with hyperstitions but um and can can you describe that a little bit um you know it's it's one of those concepts uh, that i wasn't familiar familiar with before um engaging in the research but yeah um but uh people are familiar with 
tulpas or thought forms or this idea that uh, fiction can become reality in a way mm. that that the more that you look into something or believe something, the more that that can take on a real world form. Um, and so, yeah. so yeah, that, that, that's really where the, where the investigation and the story got to in the second season, but it really started with some local unsolved murders and it just got stranger and stranger after that. Now, Nathan, when, when you and your crew were sitting there, perhaps in that beautiful recording studio that, that you guys offer right out of, um, who 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 originally had this idea of listen there's some unsolved murders in this town we need to go hunting around to to find out what's going on um you know i i'm not from somerset um my wife is from somerset and so mm-hmm. i ended up here you know coming you know moving to somerset with her um Darian West and Kyle Cadell are the uh co-producers the associate producers and uh, Kyle which people have probably seen Kyle on um the second season of Hellier when they're here in Somerset. Um, he runs the uh, International Paranormal Mu- Museum here, right? Yeah. And, and it's like how many towns have a paranormal museum in Kentucky? Right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, and really, you know, Darian and I, we um, by day develop a lot of software together, um, okay. apps and things like that. And, yeah. and that's really become a part of the investigation too. We've used a lot of uh, technology, data mining um, to investigate and kind of unravel some of this but um but he really? was yeah yeah we've we've developed some custom software he's he's put together some amazing things because um it's a giant mass of documents that we've hmm, yeah uh, newspaper articles i had some really successful foia requests hmm. um uh from the fbi regarding one of the individuals in the mystery wow. and, yeah and so um and so you know it's it was like i think the fbi sent me it was like 1600 pages which was was crazy you know and i was like (laughs) little intense yeah and i I couldn't believe that they responded to the foil or that they provided so much information but it was like those kinds of things we we were trying to dig into but darian's from here and and kyle's from here as well so they were familiar with the local folklore for me it was just so strange you know uh coming as an outsider and i and i think that's really what spurred it was that me not knowing any of these stories not knowing any of these people not knowing the folklore it, i was able to really approach it from that perspective of sort of an amateur folklorist and yeah. and, and, that, and that really to me is was the guiding concept you know it's it's the the tagline of the podcast is the magic mystery of place and again you know it's this the interplay between people and place and that's kind of where folklore emerges and so they kind of joined me. Um, Kyle was running the museum. Tons of people come through the museum telling ghost stories and mm. alien stories and all these witnesses. You know, he's he's yeah. ground zero for that. So I bet. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, but that's how we all sort of came together and, and began looking into this, and um, and then it's just been a wild ride ever since. Now, uh, Nathan, I'm sh- I'm unsure. Did you have any particular experiences uh, before? starting this podcast that that led you to a place like the paranormal museum um you know for me i've always been um fascinated with high strangeness you know for you know for 20 years i've been researching high strangeness Mm -hmm. gathering stories collecting stories um you know very big into uh charles fort 
you know yeah. and and uh you know and that that's one of the strange things too is you know you start looking at this local folklore and and i find out that there are sky falls here you know fall, <laughs> falls of fish you know and 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 also mm-hmm. uh nearby um is where the kentucky meat shower occurred you know oh my and, and um and, and i went to college at transylvania transylvania university in in lexington okay, about an hour naturally. north of here right. yeah right transylvania <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the only, i didn't know this at the time i was in college there but um the only sample that's been preserved from the kentucky meat shower is in their special science collection wow yeah, and there's yeah. actually a sample a sample that still exists yeah yeah yes wow. now, you know what condition it's in yeah, who knows you know but yeah. how they preserved it at the time i think it what was it 1896 or thereabouts that that it happened but but anyway but here in pulaski county you know those same things were happening you know and um I, you know we moved down here and it's it's a small town you know i, I grew up in a small town in a small town in appalachia went to college in Lexington, which was a bigger town. So I didn't really plan on going back to a small town. So when, mm. when we moved here, I was like, there's gotta be something interesting. <laughs> right. you know, what, what, I what know how I, you feel. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's like, what can I dig up? And so uh-huh. very quickly I started finding these stories, you know, yeah. and I'm like, no one has gathered any of these stories, you know? Right. Right. Um, in the gathering it, of those and the collection of that, you're much like, our friends at Liminal Earth, you know, this idea of re-mythologizing the environment, right? Yes, yes, yeah. That And and there's a weird feedback loop, mm-hmm. you know, that's created in that kind of situation um, of, of, of digging in and, and energizing that. Because people that hmm. live here, the, you know, they take a lot of this for granted. Sure. You know, and, and, yeah. and, and now that, the, you know, once the podcast came out, you know, all these people started sending me stories, you know, it was like, Oh, I remember this now. You know, it's it's that weird thing where it's like, is, is anything strange ever happened here? And it's like, no. But then later, they suddenly are like, <laughs> oh yeah, there's lots of strange things have happened, or or even the murders. You know, the murders that we were looking at, they're very. I mean, it's very strange murders, and there's a, t- a long history of strange murders here. Yeah. But people don't see it that way, you know. Right. But but as an outsider and as a folklorist, when you gather this stuff together. It's a preponderance of events that are undeniably strange, you know? That's oh, unreal. And that place is such a beacon. It, it draws people to it with the same energy that seems to keep people there, right? It's weird. Yeah, and, and, and truly, the weirdest thing was finding out, well, not the weirdest. There are a lot of other things that have probably been the weirdest, but... Um, one of the weirdest things was was discovering the whole Kentucky anomaly thing that that Pulaski County is the heart of the largest spike of geomagnetic energy in the northern you know North America you know and mm. uh, and and NASA calls it the Kentucky anomaly they're not sure what produces it but it's so intense here that it does slightly change the surface gravity you know they publish papers about this and so you know that that was part of my research too is this idea of how does that affect people? Because there are a lot of UFO sightings here. And, yeah. and I wondered, and, and violence. Again, you know, there, there's this long history of violence. So it's like, are these intense geomagnetic fields affecting people's brains? You know, right. is that part of the cause? Um, and then, and then, then it's truly a physical effect of the place on the people, not just geographical or sociopolitical, you know, oh um, but, but definitely that's one of those things. And, and even the town itself has a saying on this old uh, town spring 
that if you drink the water, you'll never leave. And uh, you know, so it's it's just it's just those things. It's just those layers of weirdness that that keep stacking on top of each other. And they tried to warn you, right? Exactly. <laughs> they tried so to warn too, you. It's too late, you know. You know, you look back on the first season of the podcast, which I thought was brilliantly done. I mean, for, for, for folks that like the Euphemet podcast, for folks who really enjoy uh, documentary style um, production, I mean, you have to check out you have to check out this show and you have to fall down this rabbit hole with Nathan and the rest of the crew. I mean, I, I wonder, you know, I've wondered what the reception of that first season would be with locals with locals there and you're telling me that you know some people are coming to you now with stories that they you know may have taken for uh, for granted or you know just sort of sweeped under the rug and forgot about what are some of the other reactions that you're getting from locals of this work um you know i was worried a little bit when we released it just because um it does cover some sensitive you know subject matter um and and it does air out some of the town's dirty laundry sure yeah and um so I, i was really worried about more of a, I won't say violent, but, you know, just a, a negative uh, backlash. But I, I'm involved uh, very closely with the community and, and development in the community. Um, and um, so, you know, trying to do a lot of good things at the same time telling these stories. Right. So I, I think that's kind of helped a little bit. But yeah. the, the strangest reaction that we've had is right after the show was released, these weird signs started popping up around the downtown and the town and the signs. The first one was outside of our studio and there were the witnesses saw three different people, two men and one woman going around town, putting these up. And the signs said things like this town is a cult call the FBI. And then it mentioned, yeah, dude. And then it mentioned, all these people that are in the podcast, like people were covering, people that were assassinated. You know, the sheriff here in town was assassinated at a fish fry, okay, while well, he had two oh apple pies God. in his hands, you know? And so, like, all the, there are all these characters and these, these historical figures in town that did a lot of crazy things. So these signs popped up, and they had all of their names. Uh, so it was talking about cyber terrorists, uh, that none of this is real. It's the Truman Show. and. What? Yeah, and so finally it culminated with someone climbing on top of a house on the way into downtown and spray painting this town as a cult in gigantic letters on the roof. Um, I'll have to send you the pictures of all this stuff. But but that unreal that freaked me out a little bit. Um, yeah, quite quite a bit. You know, of <laughs> course, right. you know, I, I talked to the cops about it. I'm like, hey, you know, like, is this something to be worried about? Of course, they're like, no, no, that's just some crazy people that live, you know, around downtown. I'm like. I don't know, man. They're mentioning things from the podcast. And this was within a week of it being released. You know? Oh, my gosh. To see such a distinct reaction right there while it's being produced or when it's, you know, the t- the area that it's being produced in must have been jarring, man. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think yes. I'd feel the yeah. same way. Yeah. Well, uh, so we're giving people, uh, you know, some time here before the season two premieres. If you haven't caught up already on season one, do that. Check out the season two premiere on Tuesday and listen to Nathan back on Night Drift next week for an entire program to discuss season one and what to expect for season two. Nathan, where can people find all of this work at? 
Um, we're uh, Pinyarol is on all the major platforms. Um, I think it looks great on Spotify. Um, but uh, um, you can go to pinyrollpodcast.com um, and find all the episodes there. So uh, yeah, uh, check it out Tuesday. Uh, the uh, first episode of the second season will be dropping. So. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Nathan. And uh, I'll be tuning in on Tuesday, and I'll talk to you next Sunday. All right. Thank, thanks so much, Jim. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, man. Have a great night. And we'll be back right after this with Phil Rossi and talking more about podcasters, content creators, who slowly find themselves uh, participants in the paranormal and not just interviewing paranormal people. That's after this on Night Drift with Jim Perry. Jim Perry is taking your calls at 425-373-5527 or toll-free in Western Washington, 888-298-KKNW-5569. And we are back here on Night Drift. That's right, you can give us a call if you like. If you want more of this program, you can find it on the Euphemet feed wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, visit euphemet.com and follow us across social media at Euphemet. And don't forget our Season 5 premiere premiere debuts on Thursday of this week. You can find all that information at euphemet.com. And, you know, I wonder, do you have a paranormal experience that has changed your life? Did you know you can share it with me at jim at euphemet.com? The majority of individuals who are featured on Euphemet are listeners who reach out and want to share their story. So, listen, if you're interested in that and you want the opportunity to potentially have your story featured on Euphemet, reach out, jim at euphemet.com. And now, Phil Rossi is an author, musician, producer, podcaster, and voice actor. His writing, podcasts, and music have been nominated for numerous awards over the years. He lives outside of Washington, D.C., in Virginia, where he raises his two daughters. He performs, he performs as a solo artist and in several bands throughout the D.C. metro area. And according to Phil, rock clubs now aren't the only dark places he's been spending time at night at. <laughs> <laughs> Phil has taken up paranormal investigation. Phil, welcome to Night Drift, my friend. Jim, thank you so much for having me on the show. And honestly, when we were in that 30-second countdown, I was I was chuckling a little bit over here because I had that moment of just the whole journey kind of caught up with me in an instant. And I had to laugh because wow. as I have asked on this journey that I've been on just this last year, more than once, what is going on? How did I end up <laughs> here? And here I am tonight hopefully to talk about that a little bit, but thank you so much for having me on here. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that I, I, I love it that, uh, you know, at the 32nd break, you had an experience there. 
Yeah. Uh, so a perfect time to dig into it. Yeah. You know, so, so you've gone from interviewing paranormal investigators to being out the field yeah. yourself. Yeah. I want to know exactly what your rabbit hole looked like, but first uh, tell us a little bit more about your background and your, your podcast. So it's, it's funny. I, I've been podcasting about 17 years now. It started around a time where no one really even had an inkling what a podcast sure. was on my yeah. first website for my stories. I had to have a FAQ that specifically answered just what is a podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is wild, right. which is totally wild. And uh, yeah, I started off with a podcast about writing to encourage myself to kind of be more disciplined about my own writing. Sure. And then that evolved into podcasting some stories. And then I podcast one of my first novels and then just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. And, um, you know, over the years, that's really was my main outlet for my fiction, for my short stories and what have you was podcasting. I hadn't ever really considered a format change until hmm. I started listening to fantastic shows like Euphemet and Strange Familiars oh, and, and so on. And that kind of opened this <laughs> door, this inspiration saying, well, I has played an important role in my life, even in just the last several years in terms of a great escape for me. It's mm. been a means of perspective and I've so enjoyed hearing people's stories and I love telling stories as I've probably made clear at this point. <laughs> and there's just so much value in that. And there's so many incredible stories out there. So many people have had incredible experiences. I wanted oh, yeah. to, I wanted to be able to be part of that voice of the community to be able to get those stories out there. And that's where the idea for the, my podcast don't turn around was born. Yeah. And how has your experience been with, with this new version of your podcast? It has been that experience that I think content creators will search for maybe for their whole lives where they have that moment of this just feels right. Mm. And that's, what don't turn around has become for me. It just <laughs> feels like what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Oh man. That's so powerful. It That's really so is. big. It, it's, it's huge. It's huge. I can only think about it in sort of bite-sized portions. So it, it yeah. doesn't overwhelm me, but, uh, and at the same time, the guests I've had on the show, I've, I've shared, um, conversations with some incredible people that have really opened up my whole perception of of reality it's challenged my perspectives mm. and in that sense i've really just i feel like i've grown as an individual as well just through talking to so many incredible people yeah that, yeah as as it happens to be right i mean you take so much in just by becoming a great listener right yeah. oh absolutely absolutely uh i mean and, and i thought i had some fairly fixed kind of ideas about what I believed, even oh, about that the right? paranormal. What, about, what did you, what did you believe before? I, I mean, I, I, I felt that it, a ghost was a ghost. Mm -hmm. Bigfoot was likely a primate. UFOs were aliens. Sure. They were their own thing, right? It right. was, they were right. siloed. And in this time I have come to really adopt the view that there is this greater whole that there is a, a level of interconnectivity between all these incredible phenomena that just even forces us as explorers of the unknown 
to test the bounds of our own imagination and, and abilities to conceptualize all this. Hmm. Hmm. What, what do you feel got you to that place? Again, I mean, I have to default back to the incredible guests that I've had on the show, sharing yeah. their stories, sharing their perspectives, and and that has had a tremendous a tremendous amount to do with it. And then, of course, my own experiences getting out there in the field have really served to, to validate some of these thoughts. Yeah, you get a lot of Keelians on your podcast. Yes, yes indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> You're spreading the good word. Yeah, that's um, right. That's right. You know, and, and now you find yourself out in these haunted locations that you were inquiring about your, yeah. your, your interview guests. Yeah. How in the world did this happen, Phil? You know, and, and what's funny, I kind of looked back through my shows and mm -hmm. you were uh, my third guest. Oh, wow. Um, and on a side note, I was listening to the numerology episode just the other day and I was thinking, all right, Jim was guest number three. Today is the ninth day of January, where's this six going to come into, come into play before the day, before the day is over. Hmm. That, that, that kind of struck me as again, another, maybe not a synchronicity, but something interesting that just yeah. kind of falls along with all this. Right. But when I had you on the show, I hadn't really considered that I was going to go out and, and do it. Hmm. And I'm not sure exactly when that kind of lightning bolt struck me. But I listened, uh, one of my favorite podcasts is Strange Familiars, uh, hosted sure. by Timothy Renner, who's fantastic. Yeah. And he and his uh, his uh, occasional co-host and, and partner in crime, Chad Redding, would go out and, and do these wilderness investigations. They'd take a recorder with them. And at the same time, I was seeing people do something similar on the social media, going out in the daytime. And it struck me that, well, you know, I don't have to go find a haunted house to go experiment with this. I have a... <laughs> wealth of battlefields in, in, in the area that I live in. Oh, in sure. In fact, there's one about 10 minutes away from my house here in Virginia. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, the Civil War raged right through this area. We're only an hour and change south of Gettysburg. Uh, but there's this battlefield, Balls Bluff Battlefield, uh, just outside of Leesburg, Virginia, which uh, has a fair share of ghost stories attached to it. And so I went onto Amazon with a very limited budget. And I uh, ordered a, a K2 meter and a spirit box and went out with my uh, H4, which I've used for the last 17 years for various podcasts and music, <laughs> right. music applications. And I took uh -huh. it out there and, and not, you know, I wouldn't say much really happened while I was out there, but what did happen was I experienced that state of investigation. And I say state because it's, your mindset shifts as you start to kind of reach out hmm. to the other, reach out to, to that bigger reality. And it's, yeah. and it was such an incredible feeling. Once I kind of got over the awkwardness of asking questions to the thin air, right. and got yeah. into that zone, it, 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 I was hooked instantly. And I said, this has to become a thing. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to get into this a little bit more. I reached out to my my dearest best friend T Morris and said, "Hey, how would you like to do this for real? Because we play a, a video game called Phasmophobia. We've been playing it for mm. several months. It's that it's a ghost hunting quote unquote ghost hunting game experience. And really, and I said to him one day, I said, "Why don't we do this for real? Would you be interested in doing this with me?" And he said, "Well, yeah, why not?" And uh, he <laughs> you're like, "We looked, don't need no game." Yeah, yes, exactly. And he hasn't looked back 
since either. And so that was really? kind of the kind of the beginning of it. And after that, things went fairly, fairly quickly from there. Community is so important in yeah. this stuff. I mean, if you can get someone to go and do this stuff with you and not look at you like you're going crazy. I yeah. mean, that, that, that is a plus. I mean, listen, there's, plus. yeah, there's situations where, uh, I imagine that first moment you were out there kind of asking questions into nothing. Did you have any reservations about what you were doing at that point? Were you still the reluctant hero at that point in time, Phil, or were you kind of like, no, this feels right. Oh, I was, I was still reluctant. I was still yeah. reluctant, uh, until, until the moment I was walking away and, and processing what I had just been doing. Mm, and how did that, that feel? Moment that it felt, again, there was that sense of rightness and where the reluctance came more from what if a hiker walks by and they, you know, see me standing by this tree with my eyes closed <laughs> right. to then it was like, well, you know, let a hiker walk by and that's fine. I don't yeah. care because I'm really into what I'm doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's fabulous. And listen, I mean, uh, you've been podcasting for, you know, 17 years. You're an OG of podcasting. Uh, don't, you know, your, your new podcast is, uh, is relatively, uh, fresh, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. And this, this positioning in, in sort of exploring, you know, um, real life paranormal phenomenon and not fiction is, is a newer element to, to what you're doing. Right. Yeah. You, I mean, you got, you got attached pretty quick, man. And, and that, those tentacles pulled you into the abyss real quick. Yeah. The, the, the rabbit hole, I mean, <laughs> it must've been oiled because I went yeah. right in <laughs> zero resistance right. whatsoever. Right. So, so now you're in and now you're probably developing, you know, sort of what, what, what your style is, the places that you like to investigate, you know, sort of what is it to be a, an investigator, yeah. you know, and, and not just, not just a storyteller. Um, even though I would, I would say maybe they're more similar than not yeah. actually. Um, but you, you described to me, uh, you know, um, in, in personal conversation, some of the locations you've mm -hmm. been to and would, would you tell us a little bit about w one of the first places that maybe made a real impact on you? So I'll say the first place, which was not the first place we went out to, but mm -hmm. I think this was the first moment where I was able to say that I was absolutely an investigator. And it was when uh, T. Morris and I, back in October, the week before Halloween, we did a 12-hour lockdown investigation in this location known as uh, Crescent SCI. That's Crescent State Correctional Institute, Institution of Pennsylvania. Whoa. So it's this massive, sprawling uh, complex that was a prison up until 2013, and then it was shut down. Uh, due to just some egregious civil rights violations, and they just closed the whole oh operation. Uh, before that, it was a uh, it was a, a mental institution, mm -hmm. and then before that, it was a tuberculosis uh, sanatorium. Mm, wow. So it has, I mean, it kind of checks <laughs> most of those boxes to be a an area that has that energy, right? But what was so striking about uh, this experience was that, you know, it was the single longest end-to-end -end investigation that we had done. I mean, previous to that, three, four hours maybe, with yeah. the exception of an overnight, we had done at a bed and breakfast uh, back over the summer. But this was 12 hours at this location. There was no electricity. It was about 
42 degrees out maybe oh and we God. were at the tail end of a nor'easter jim so oh, wow. so it was it was this like constant drizzle yeah. and when the sun went down this thick fog rolled in and obscured the entire campus and it was oh, the most wow. astounding atmospheric like inspiring yeah set of like just environmental variables yeah we had these little maps that the that the um that the folks hosting the event had given us and they're like drenched and we're walking <laughs> through the fog trying to find our way over to i think it was our the hospice building and you can't see any of the buildings it's dark we had a lantern but it's just fog and then these buildings would just loom out of the fog like a like a living thing they would just hmm. rise up out of the fog and and in those moments, it's where I really felt that, you know, we're out here, we're doing this, you know, rain, snow, fog, we're going into these buildings that are just, you know, dilapidated, the textbook sort of scariest place you could probably conceive of going into. And yet we are going into these, into the shadows, trying again to connect, trying to be a voice for these stories that have been forgotten over the years that were forgotten when these buildings were shuttered and when they took all the files out and, and, and put up the padlocks. Right. And that's what is one of these aspects that makes this so exciting. And so just, I find, and my partner and I find so much value in is that, you know, we get to tell these stories. So as you kind of alluded to earlier, you know, for me, storytelling and investigation, they go, they go so closely hand in hand. It's, yeah. it's, it's this, you know, it's, they're on that same sheet of paper. Maybe it's, it's folded one way or another, but they are, they are connected. And, um, you know, we had some interesting things happen there. We saw some, we saw some shadow figures. We had some incredible responses on our equipment, but overall, I mean, it was more than just what we experienced there. It was the overall experience that I think will make this one of the most memorable investigation moments that I have had. It was overwhelming at times. Again, just the length and just being in these dark places. It was definitely overwhelming. Not so much from a fear standpoint, just it was just a lot to process. And in some of these places, uh, in particular, there was the solitary confinement area from the prison where some of these inmates had been locked up for 23 hours a day. Some of, I think one of them had been locked up there for upwards of 17 years in that mm. capacity. And oh, so there was wow. a lot of heavy, heavy energy in that spot. And I walked into yeah. one of those cells and was immediately just overcome the motion, just such a, a gut deep sadness that I had to, I had to leave that area for a minute because it was just so intense. Okay, and, well, let's talk about this yeah. for a second. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of individuals will go into investigation and they will purely rely on gadgetry. Yeah. What you're telling me is that you are affected by these places and their energy. Is that a surprise to you? And do you feel like you have empathic abilities? So that doesn't, it's not a surprise to me. I do feel on some level that there's a sensitivity there. And I, I think we, all of us, all human beings are, have that wiring, right? There might be certain switches that are not flipped for all of us. And 
it might not be a conscious thing of those switches being flipped. Maybe they get flipped over time because you're in these environments and they get toggled enough. But um, right. I have had that sensitivity and I find that the more in the moment I can be, the more connected to the present, the more mindful, the more those doors are kind of open and the more in tune I am to it. Yeah. I just have to be careful not to get, again, distracted by things like the gadgets. I love the mm. gadgets. I'm a, I'm a big nerd. So the gadget aspect of investigating is something that is very appealing to me. Mm -hmm. But sure. I, I really see all the gadgets we use uh, almost as as um, like focal devices for like the D&D &D nerds out there. Those they're like our arcane focuses, right? <laughs> It gives us. I don't know what you're talking of, about. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm I'm playing, I'm playing. Yeah, um, but, I, I yeah, I I I I get that sense. You know, yeah, it just uh, it. I find just it it helps you get into that mindset, and and if you have interactions on the gear, it it kind of helps foster that that vibe, that focus. It gets you into that that headspace. So I think the the feelings that we have. And then the gear that we use again go, you know, are very, very closely related. I, I view, yeah. you know, one of my, you know, I view, for example, my REM pod in the same way that I view, you know, a pendulum or dowsing rods. Yeah. Granted, one is more technologically sophisticated, but I feel like the the ends of that device are are, are just are just the same. It's yeah. a means to connect. Listen, do you think through this new adventure that you're on that you've gained a new understanding of the life of a paranormal investigator? And was there anything about that that surprised you? You know, that's well, that's a great question. I think one aspect that I was, I don't know if curious is, is the right way to describe it, but going into some of these investigations, some of the investigations are lighter than others. And it's more of a, you're having a good time. It's you're excited and you're out there and you're doing it, but it's, it's, it's fairly light. And then some of these investigations that you go to will take you down a very dark path. You're going to experience mm. some dark things. I was always intrigued by the processing aspect of it and something I get into on, on don't turn around with my guests. But what surprised me, I, I guess, is that when the smoke settles and you wrap up the investigation and you go home, say after one of these darker experiences is that it is possible to process, process those events and somewhat return to more of a, an objective view of them. Right. I, I, oh, I did wonder if yeah. for these more intense moments, if, if you're just a little bit, for lack of a better description, if you're just end up a little bit messed up after some of these things. Right. And, and, and I think that's a risk. You know, maybe, maybe we are, are safe enough in our approach that when we get that, you know, when we get that feeling that it's time to, to wrap up shop, that we're not putting ourselves in danger of having that happen. But at the same time, you know, was something that I did wonder that as we do more of these intense investigations or or investigations that are that you think are going to be light that end up more intense than you would have expected how how will that impact my human experience going forward and I yeah. found even from the darker moments some of the scares we've had some of just the 
intense moments that at the end of the day, even if it's felt negative at the time, it comes out as a positive one, not just from you know having those experiences, maybe being able to validate them with an EVP or something we caught on the camera, but then also understanding that you can be in this intense moment, you can find that bravery to stick it out and you get through it. And then you're left with this sense of, wow, you know, I'm, I'm stronger. I am braver than I would have realized. I'm probably even a little braver now after, after uh, getting through that. So I think uh, that has been an unexpected, unexpected reward. And, <laughs> and that ha- that has caught me by surprise a little bit, because if I go and look back to when I was a younger kid and I was, I was into the paranormal if I told my young self that, oh, yeah, you're going to sit uh, in the dark basement of a hospice <laughs> building with a blindfold on, right. listening to these voices in the complete dark, right. and you're going to be fine. Yeah, I would have I would have probably slapped my older self. <laughs> right. right. Well, it's it's amazing to hear the journey that you're on right now. And we'll have to have you back for for an entire program to talk Absolutely. about some of the investigations that you're involved in and and just that gradual process. I love that we've caught you right here at the first. Yeah. So people out there can yeah. can experience what what that experience is like. And so thank you so much for joining us tonight, oh, my, Phil. And, and where can people check out your work? Yeah, so uh, on the social medias, Instagram is where I'm most active, and that's at Don't Turn Around Podcast, and that's on Instagram. Otherwise, if you go to philrossimedia.com forward slash DTA, that's where you're going to find uh, Don't Turn Around, which is also available on all the major uh, podcatchers out there as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Phil, and thank you for listening, everyone. Tonight Drift with Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, KKNW 1150 AM Seattle. Hear the show anytime on its podcast feed, wherever you listen to them. Go to euphemet.com for more and join us next Sunday. And until then, keep looking up. Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes.